Good morning, church family and ministry friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Praise God. Now, before we jump into the primary message today, let me share something with you that will bless you financially. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings, and I want you to look with me at Isaiah chapter 60. Now, I know you're familiar with verses 1 and 2, but I want to look at verse 9. Okay, so let's read verses 1 and 2. Arise, shine, for your light has come. That's the prophetic hour in which we're in. God is blessing His people in exceptional ways. There's a reason for that. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Now, my friends, this is one of the reasons is because God wants to make you shine as a star in the midst of darkness so that Jesus is lifted up. Praise God. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness, the people. And we certainly see that. And it's Unfortunate, but it's going to increase in that area of darkness. The good news is that while the darkness will increase, the luminosity of the believer and the light coming out and through the believer is going to outweigh anything. And you know, the way that you dispel darkness is just by switching on the light. Praise God. And God's going to light you up. Praise the Lord. And deep darkness to people, but the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. So this is a glory that can be seen. I think that's very important. Verse 9, Surely the coastlands shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish will come first, to bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them. To the name of the Lord your God, and to the Holy One of Israel, because He has glorified you. My friends, I stand here today, I want to prophetically encourage you, and say, under the anointing, that your ship is coming in. Praise the Lord. Your ships, uh, bringing also the silver and the gold, your abundant harvest will come in. Continue to stand in faith. Continue just to thank God for everything you already have every day. Thank Him for it. Even if it's something that you've had for a while or maybe have used before, but every time you put your hand on it or every time you see it, just say, Lord, thank you that you are so good to me. Praise the Lord, because God's got a lot more blessings uh, on the way to you. Uh, next, I want to read Haggai chapter 2, verse 8, and God says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine says the Lord of hosts, or Jehovah Savah, that's the captain of the angelic armies. And God is saying, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Well, that is true because actually the whole planet belongs to God. And since the whole planet is God's, that means all the trees, rivers, rocks, water, mountains, and all uh, gold and silver, and all of the uh, precious minerals and metals that are in it actually belong to the Lord. Now, we also have to realize that when he says the silver and gold is mine, you know, it's not like they had paper currency back then. It's not like back then God would have said, you know, the, the uh, euro is mine or the $100 American bill is mine. Those things were not in existence. And so money was all in the form of, uh, in the form of like coinage. And there was no paper money. But basically what God is saying is the silver and gold or the monetary systems of the world, you know, all the money he is, he is saying is mine. And let me say that God knows how to get it to you. Praise the Lord. And I do believe there'll be a shaking where you're going to see God really begin to bless his people and provision will flow. If you need capital for a business, you won't have to go out and plunge yourself in the debt. No, the capital will be there. It may not be as much as you want, but it will be enough to get started and to get rolling. And uh, God's bringing his people completely out of debt, bills getting paid off, debts getting paid off, getting paid down and being gone. Praise the Lord. And God is moving for thus says the Lord of hosts once more. It is a little while I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land. Well, I believe the little while has brought us to the 
right now. Praise the Lord. So there can be shakings, but the shakings are good for the church because God is going to shake the, the worldly system and God is going to cause your promotion. And there's a reason for it. He wants to bring the silver and the gold into your possession so that the gospel can be preached around the world. And of course, yes, you could have some for yourself. I know that you have needs. God knows that. But God wants you to be way over into the overflow. Exodus chapter 25, verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly, with this heart you shall take my offering. So when they came out of Egypt, God loaded them up with the silver and gold from the Egyptians, and the Egyptians were just giving it to them. The Egyptians were giving them their very finest clothing. And the next thing you know, they have all of this. They've made their exodus or their departure out of Egypt, gone through the Red Sea, and they're on the other side. And they're out in the middle of a desert wilderness. And there's no mall. There's no shoe store. There, there's no stores anywhere. So what do you do with all of this wealth? <laughs> what do you do with gold and silver when you can't, you can't spend it? There's, there's no stores. There's nothing like that. Well, God called for an offering. And that was the primary reason for that overflowing blessing. And this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze. So, of course, you see the order of rank. These are all offerings that were uh, to be only given willfully because of a love for God, a love for His kingdom and His interest. And then in verse 4, it gets into the area of the other things that would be offered, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat's hair. Now these things would be used in the fabrication of the tabernacle that would have been there in the wilderness, which Moses received the blueprint from heaven from the Lord. And then you see the ram skins dyed red, badger skins and acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil. So all these various types of offerings were going to be put forward. Verse 7, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. You know, it's interesting. Uh, it was a few years back, and I, I believe it was the nation of Australia. It was either Australia or South Africa, but a man came forward, and he claimed to have one of the Urim and Thummim. And, of course, those were the stones that would sit on the shoulders of the high priest. And, uh, you know, you had the stones on the breastplate, but you had the two, uh, one on each side, on the shoulders. And they would give supernatural guidance. Many of the rabbis are not quite sure how that worked. I think it would have to be one of those things you would have to uh, see it in operation in order to understand it. But this man came forward and said that he had one of them. And scientists studied it, looked at it uh, under microscopes and things like that. And uh, they said, there's no way that this could be replicated. It's very strange. It had some features to it that made it of a miraculous type nature because of something that was carved into it. But there's no way to carve that on the inside like that. So these stones were given as an offering. Praise the Lord. And a lot of wisdom was put into how this was all uh, turned into this beautiful uh, temple and everything that was adorning it. We'll talk about some of that as we get into the subject of God's many multicolored aspects of wisdom. Praise God. But my friends, uh, these are all offerings that were given gold, silver, brass, precious stones and things like that. So God gave it so that when he would call for it later, you would have it to give everything that we have the overflow, whether it's a little, whether, whether it's a lot, everything that we have, it comes from God. And if God calls for it, we need to have hands that can allow it to flow through praise the Lord. You know, for my wife and I, we have been tithers for a long time, but for us, the tithe is only the beginning point. The tithe is the foundation where we operate from. The Lord says that the 10% 
is His. So we give the Lord the tithe, but that for us is just a beginning, and then we look for other areas where the Holy Spirit would have us sow. And we've sown a lot also into uh, the ministry that God has called us to. We're just not partakers of it. We are, we sow into it. When we see something that God has highlighted, yes, we want to get in on the blessing also. Praise the Lord. When the land uh, the 14.5 acres was paid off, and many of you sowed into that. Well, my wife and I, out of our own personal money, we sowed into the ministry also and contributed to that, as well as to uh, other works of God around the earth, which we are honored to be a part of. Praise the Lord. But my friends, the tithe belongs to the Lord, and then we have the privilege of sowing seed as well. You know, I don't believe that you'll ever regret. Now listen to this. This is a little bit funny. I don't believe that when you get to heaven, you will ever regret the tithing that you did while you're on the earth. Trust me, there's not a saint anywhere in heaven walking around saying, you know what? I, I don't think I, I should have done all that tithing while I was out on the earth. I, I know it built churches, and I know it established ministries, and I know it caused a lot of people to get saved and the church built up. I don't, I don't know if I should have done that. I'm having regrets about that. No, the regrets will be for those who lived their life on the earth, and they were believers, but they were not givers. They were not tithers, and they will be the ones with the regrets. You know, there's a lot of people, they fight tithing. A lot of Christians will say that we shouldn't tithe. Here's the catch, what they're not telling you. Uh, they might make excuses and say it's under the law. The reality is they're not only not tithing, they're not giving either. <laughs> they're not giving. You could ask any pastor. Those that are adamant against tithing, they're just flat out not givers. Uh, they might give like $3 or something like that. But look, hospitals don't get built on $3 offerings. Um, uh, churches don't get paid off with, you know, $3 offerings. And I'm not making fun of the widow's might. I understand that. But I also understand that if you have a heart for the Lord, you're eventually going to surpass a $3 offering. Praise God. And you're going to move up. You'll hit the hundreds, and then you'll hit the thousands, and then you'll, you'll start to go higher than that. Woo, glory to God. Get into the six figures. Get into the seven figure offerings. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Sometimes people, they're waiting to give one big one, and they say they will when their ship comes in, but they're not doing anything currently. That's very deceptive. The tithe belongs to the Lord now. Let's give God the tithe. Let's also sow seed. We can give beyond the tithe. Praise the Lord. And let's give with a, gen, uh, a generous, joyful heart. Praise the Lord. So I do want to say that your ship is going to come in. But remember, the ship is coming in because you sowed. You sent those ships out when they were empty and they're coming back fully loaded. You sowed when there was no seed in the field and your harvest is coming up. You're going to see your ship come in. I believe it will have uh, the blessing or the means for the blessing that you're looking for. Sometimes the harvest can be wisdom. Sometimes the harvest can be an idea. Sometimes the harvest can be uh, literally finances that just come in supernaturally. But God's going to get the harvest to you. Keep on tithing. Keep on sowing. I see your ship coming over the horizon, moving quickly in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Father, as your people are bringing in the tithes and offerings, I thank you that their harvest is on the way. They will know the more than enough Christian experience where they are blessed to be a blessing. And Father, for them, the tithe is just the starting point, and they'll go and do some special things, sometimes even uh, inverting, where they will give you 90%, and maybe even live off the 10, like Mr. Letourno did, who founded the world's largest earth-moving equipment company. Now, Father, we thank you that you're going to do some amazing things for your people in this area. I see, Father, that there are those that are listening right now that are willing to experiment with you in this area. So I thank you that as your Holy Spirit leads them, they will work with you and experiment with you, and you'll show them literally miraculous results. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Father. Bless their finances. 
make them wealthy, let them prosper so that your work will go forward in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Now, if you prefer to mail your tithe and your offering in, please send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code here is 28654. Now, if you want to bring your tithe, your offerings in online, uh, jump on the internet, go to stephenbrooks.org. You'll come to our ministry homepage. Look up at the top. There's a header that says give online. You can click that. It'll take you to the giving page. There's the little drop down menu. Click on that. You'll see the area where you can bring the tithe into the storehouse. You'll see the area that has the different projects we're working on. You can sow into anyone the Holy Spirit would lead you to do. And we will receive them here and be praying over your giving. Praise God and thank you. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. I see that when your ship comes in, you're going to receive the blessing. You're going to turn right back around and send the ship back, back out again. Woo! Get another harvest. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You are blessed. Amen. With heaven's best. Praise God. All right. Today I want to talk about God's wisdom. And there are some things about the Lord's wisdom that are very mysterious. The uh, depths of it, I can never even come close to expounding upon uh, in one sermon, not even really in a series. But we'll try to hit some highlights today because I believe there will be a touch of the spirit of wisdom upon your mind, even touching your physical brain. And you will see things differently. You will see things with, I would call it a higher level of clarity and color. This is very interesting. We're going to jump into it. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter three. Please meet me today in verse eight. Let's begin this Bible study today with prayer. Heavenly father, as we are exploring your word, like the great adventurers of old who would sail out on the seven seas or would, who would explore the Arctic or Antarctic or distant shores and places. Father, we thank you that this is a, this is a subject of great depth. So help us to begin to get into this. So the oil of this wisdom begins to flow as we are in the end days and you're calling for uh, profound evidences of your grace and your proofs. We thank you for this father. You're going to do it in the lives of your people. In Jesus name, let this oil of wisdom flow in Jesus name. We pray and we all say, amen. Woo. Praise God. So we are in the book of Ephesians chapter three. Let's again, jump over the verse eight. Paul, the apostle is speaking. He says to me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. By the way, if you have maybe been a little bit brainwashed, perhaps at a secular university with the lie of evolution, please note that the Bible says that God created, created, not evolved. God created all things through Jesus Christ. This planet was created by Jesus Christ Almighty Son of God. The universe that we see, the stars, none of those uh, formed over billions upon billions of years or anything like that. They were all created by the God that we know, love, and serve. Praise the Lord. The more that you study creation science, the more you see that the Bible is true, and the more you see the desperate attempts of atheists and agnostics to make excuses for why they not only will not receive God, but why they deliberately 
choose to believe it so that they can stay in their path of sin. Because if there's no God, hey, you can just do whatever you want, right? And, uh, how convenient. But the moment you realize there is a God and there is a day of judgment, suddenly uh, that means you now have personal responsibility. And personal responsibility seems to be something that many people today have a real problem with. But praise God, it won't make the judgment go away. Praise the Lord. So we want to live for the Lord and understand this mighty God that we serve. Verse 10, to the intent that now, that now, not watch, not when you get to heaven. When you get to heaven, it's almost like you're going to become like a superman, ladies, like a superwoman. There will come the day when the dead in Christ shall rise, those who are alive and remain shall go with him to uh, will go with them to meet him in the air. And we're going to be changed. My friends, the Bible says that this, this mortal frame, these mortal bodies that we have are going to put on immortality. It, we're going to, it's going to be swallowed up with immortality and you will have the ability to see for a thousand miles with perfect clarity. You will have the ability to run and not get tired. You will, you will have an, uh, a body that is permanently stuck at the very peak of what your physical best was. Perhaps that was maybe at the age of 30 or maybe at the age of 28, but your body will come back to that. Uh, if you gained a few pounds, that will come off. If you lost uh, uh, some muscle mass with atrophy, that will come back. You will be uh, revitalized in the power of God with this eternal body that is designed to live forever. Now, here on the earth, when we leave to go to space, we have to put on space suits. That's what our astronauts do if they want to walk in space. You won't need any of that. You can just go. <laughs> you won't need a spacesuit. Praise the Lord. You will have this Im immortal body. Glory to God. Think about what we're coming into. But here's the thing. What God wants to do now is to manifest his wisdom, but the catch is he wants to do it now while we're on the earth. There's a reason for this to the intent that now, okay, so this is supposed to be happening in your life that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Now the church of course is the corporate body of Christ. He's the head. We are the body, but the body as we would understand is made up or comprised of individual believers. So that means God's going to be doing this through the body. That means he's going to be doing it through you as an individual. Get ready. This is going to be spectacular. Mm -mm. That the wisdom of God might be made known by the church to who? To the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. Now, let's go through this a little bit slower. To the intent that now, in your life, the manifold wisdom of God. This word manifold means many. It means multi-layered. It means multi-faceted. There's many different angles of it. And it also, it's interesting in the Greek, it also has the meaning of multicolored. By the way, in your free time, when you read the book of Isaiah chapter 11, verses one through three, when it talks about the seven spirits of God, those seven spirits that are the primary attributes of the Holy Spirit, they also have corresponding colors. And the spirit of wisdom, which is the primary dominant attribute of the Holy Spirit, Spirit is signified by the color red, the spirit of knowledge, the color yellow. And there's, there's different colors, just like there is in a spectrum. Woo, glory to God. But it does mean here the manifold wisdom or multicolored wisdom of God. Wow. So we could say it like this. God wants to display through you his multifaceted, multicolored, highly detailed wisdom. Now, who does he want this wisdom to be displayed towards? Who is it that he on purpose wants to see this wisdom? He tells us that 
He wants it to be made known by the church, by you, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. Now, there are theologians who lean different directions concerning who these principalities and powers are. Some, on a surface level, just think, well, maybe that's referring to the angels, you know, like uh, the, good, the good guys, you know, with the wings. But most theologians, when you dig into it and study it, uh, and it's also what I would agree with, uh, understand that this is talking about the evil powers, the principalities and powers. God wants his wisdom displayed through you to them. Now, we see this in the same letter of, of Ephesians. Please turn just for a moment to Ephesians 6. We'll go right back. But just for a moment to Ephesians 6. So in the same letter, Paul said in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. So the, we're not wrestling against the angels. We're not trying to fight the work of God. This is a wrestling match against the enemy who's opposed against us in the spiritual realm. So the principalities and powers are evil. They're agents of darkness. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms. The highest order of evil is uh, the, the spirit's in that heavenly realm, these wicked spirits in the heavenly realm, they are the ones that govern and rule over nations and primarily endeavor to try to influence those that would be highest in political office, such as a president or prime minister, and then others and uh, upper uh, members of, uh, you know, like senators and people along that line. Because if he can corrupt them, then he can try to take that whole nation off in a wrong direction. But the lowest ones would be the principalities and powers. Here's the thing. Uh, God's going to display it, though, to all of them. Woo! Now, this is, this is so amazing. What, what is the expression of wisdom that God wants to present through you to them, to the evil spirits. What kind of wisdom, like what, what is the statement on the billboard that God's wanting them to read when they see your life? You know what it is? It's this. He wants them to look at your life and realize we lost. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Every time they look at your life and they see you prevailing, they see you overcoming, they see you operating in Christ as more than a conqueror over the challenges of life, over the temptations of sin, over everything that they could throw, all it does is spell out to them their eternal damnation and that what's waiting for them very soon is the lake of fire that will burn for all eternity and that's where they're going. And when they see your life, they get very, very depressed because that's what that wisdom is declaring. It's declaring that Jesus won and that you are in him. His victory is working and being infused into your life and it speaks and for tells their doom and their already failure and their total complete loss at Calvary that they suffered. Woo! Glory to God. And this wisdom that comes out of you and working in your life is displayed in many different colors. It's display, it can be displayed in your marriage. It can be displayed in your work. It can be displayed maybe through your ability to play a, a musical instrument. It can be displayed through your ability to maybe write or maybe uh, uh, what you do at work. You're, you, you know, that wisdom's on you and it's now being displayed there. So whether you're at home or at work, you're blessed going in, you're blessed going out. <laughs> and the principalities and the powers, they all see that. And they're just like, yeah, we're, we're going to go to the lake of fire. And you know what? They are. I've actually had, I've only had two, you know, not, uh, not all elevators make it to the top of the building, but I've only had two Christians 
in my whole life in, in, in Christ ever come up to me and say, uh, Pastor Stephen, we, we, we should pray for the devil that he gets saved. I'm like, <laughs> hey, hey, uh, look, I can't be your friend if you're going to be stupid. I can't hang out with stupid people. I, I, I love people, but if you're going to stay stupid, I, I can't be your friend. <laughs> Don't ever pray for the devil to get saved or they, they are on their way to the lake of fire and they know it. Okay, they have no conscience. There is no second chance. They're lost forever. Okay, so uh, when they see your life, all it does is speak that Jesus is Lord, Jesus won, and that you're in Him and you're enjoying that victory. Also, it just speaks of their impending doom. Woo! Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Again, to the intent that now in your life, right now, the multicolored multifaceted wisdom of God might be made known by the church. That's you might be made known by you to the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. Mm -mm. They need to know it. Now here, here's the reality. They actually already do. They already do know it. The demons, evil spirits totally know that through the death burial and resurrection of Jesus, they lost everything. The, the whole kingdom of darkness lost, but they don't want you to know it. Even though as a believer, you have authority over them. Now, unbelievers, the sinners don't, they are in the kingdom of darkness. But as a believer, you come into the kingdom of God's dear son, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness no longer has authority over you. Light has authority over darkness, but what the enemy doesn't want God's people to know is the reality of that. So the devil, uh, he goes about as a roaring lion. You know, whenever you pretend to be somebody that you're not, it means that you have a very uh, bad self-image. It means that really on the inside, you're embarrassed of who you really are. So you have to actually go around and pretend you're somebody who you're not. So that's just another giveaway of the enemy of the self-condemned uh, place that he's in. And that's where he's going to stay. But my friends, the truth is, is that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah and that Satan goes about as he's not a, a lion, but he tries to go around like a roaring lion. But we know the truth is that Jesus has completely defeated him. Now, when this multicolored, multifaceted wisdom flows through you, it gives evidences that the wisdom is flowing. In other words, uh, it's not just saying, I have wisdom. No, there are proofs that are a result of this beautiful wisdom operating in your life. We see it from uh, Jesus our, uh, himself, our great example, Mark chapter six, let's jump over there. Mark chapter six. And we're going to, um, start directly in verse one, Mark six, verse one. Then he went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? So they had to admit he had something that he did not have before. The Spirit of God was on him. Now, before that, he was very quiet. But we also have to admit that the Spirit of God was not on Jesus until he came up out of that river and the Spirit of God came on him after uh, his baptism of coming up out of the water. Woo, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And then uh, we see that there was a, a new anointing on him. And now they admit he, he's got something. He certainly does. Where did this man get these things? Some of your relatives are going to say the same thing about you because of the dramatic change that's going to happen with your life over the next three months. And some people that formerly knew you 
and uh, maybe they haven't seen you in a while. The next time they hear or see you, they're going to be going, hey, where did she get that from? And she never had that. Where did that come from? How, how did uh, she started her own business? Really? I thought she'd be working for that little old company for the rest of her life. No, she went out and started her own. And uh, last we heard, she's got two other businesses she, she's branched off into. They're taking off too. Wow. Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom? See, they, they could see it. He is walking in something that is so tangible, they actually know what it is. And what wisdom is this, which is given to him? Look, it can be given to you too. The Holy Spirit is the chief imputer of wisdom. I didn't say computer and imputer. He will put it in you. Glory to God. Why? He is the spirit of wisdom. He could put it in you. He could put it on you where it begins to affect your mind. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands. So there's works, there's mighty works, and your hands are going to be used by God to create mighty works. What are those works? They are proofs that wisdom is operating in your life. See, people can argue with theory. People can argue with, um, you know, maybe tossing around ideas or this and that. But when there's a proof and there it is, and it's standing there and it won't go away, or it can be observed and it can be replicated or it can be produced again because principles work, then, uh, you know, all they can do is just look at it and say, well, there it is. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to say, well, I'll tell you what, I better just receive Jesus right now. But you know what? It does make them think. And there will be many who will receive Christ. Why? They see that, hey, this is working. This is what I want. I'm tired of being sick. I'm tired of being defeated. I'm tired of getting wiped out by whatever this is in life that makes life so hard. Which is sin and sin nature and the world system and everything in it. And people say, I just, I want to be able to get above it. So it is through wisdom that you begin to fly. Mm -hmm. Walking's good. It's good exercise, but it's not very fast, is it? And running's good. But I tell you what, even driving's good. But if you want to get somewhere quick, you need to fly. And this is wisdom for high flyers that will have valid proofs all over the place. Jesus said, wisdom is justified by your children. Well, we don't agree with that. Well, you may not agree with it, but what do you think about all these kids? In other words, what do you think about all of these proofs of wisdom? They won't go away, will they? Look at that. Mm -mm. You may not like me. You may not like my message. You may not like Jesus. You may not like God. You may not like the Bible. But hey, uh, we're kind of blessed over here, aren't we? Doing pretty good, huh? Praise the Lord. And, and the greatest thing, we're saved and on our way to heaven. Mm, and we have peace. Hallelujah. Not on drugs. Not all goofed up and messed up. Mm, not, not all nervous that if we lost our cell phone or our laptop and somebody found it and maybe there wasn't a passcode that they would open it up and see something on there that would be, oh, look at that. No, go, go, go ahead and look all you want. Go ahead and look all you, look through my pictures. Look at all, look, look, you know, because you, you know, uh, it's just the way life is. You can't cover stuff. You just have to live right. <laughs> you can't say, oh, give it back. Let me, you know, go look, I've got grandkids. I've got, I've got four grandkids and they'll just grab my phone. And if, if the phone's unlocked or something like that, they'll just grab it. Then they like to look at pictures. They start going through the pictures and stuff like that. I've got pictures from, you know, several thousand pictures from all over the place. They just like to look, Oh, give me the quick, give me the phone back. No, no. You know, you just have to live for the Lord. Glory to God. And it brings such peace. It brings such peace. It brings such peace that your life, come on, your life is an open book. It doesn't mean that you don't have your struggles. It doesn't mean that you're superhuman and you don't have weaknesses. It just means that God's grace and God's ability is enough to get you over. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus made provision for you and I on Calvary to live a life that according to scripture is blameless and without spot. Why? So that we can come into unity with Jesus. We can come into unity with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus has made available. Praise be unto God forever. Thank you, Jesus. So, my friends, the world is under pressure, but God's wisdom will give you peace in the midst of this high pressure world where people in the world are popping drugs and popping pills to try to cope with their anxiety, trying to cope with their inability to go to sleep at night, drinking all kinds of potions and tonics and popping all kinds of naughty pills and messing their bodies up even worse. Hallelujah. Come on over to Jesus and let Dr. Jesus fix you and heal you right and give you a peace that passes all understanding. You don't need some psychiatrist laying you out on the couch and you paying 700 dollars an hour so some man can sit there and uh, give you some kind of psycho babble praise God hallelujah what do you think the Holy Spirit is for he's there to be your comforter not to be your rougher upper no he's there to be your comforter to speak and uh, and heal and to pour in into these damaged areas of your soul and to do what no human can do Hmm. Well, Pastor Stephen, we just need some good psychology, some good psychology. Did you know? I'm sure you probably have noticed, but did you know that literally all psychology is rooted in sexual immorality? I better take a drink of water while you think about that one just for a moment. All of it, all psychology is rooted in sexual immorality. Where does it originate from? from the primary three teachers from the Greek culture. You have, uh, you have Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. Socrates was condemned for being a homosexual, and we also know that uh, Plato was a homosexual. We know that Aristotle also was a homosexual, and they embraced this culture, and uh, Aristotle was the teacher of Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great was known to have two boy, uh, I don't want to, it's so sick and perverted, I don't even want to say it, but he had two little boys that were always with him. Alexander the Great, uh, the man that they say never lost to battle, yes, he was a sexual pervert. Who taught him? Well, uh, Aristotle taught him. And the truth is that uh, Alexander the Great died in a perverted sexual debauchery. And my friends, this area of philosophy all comes out of the Greeks Hellenizing the world. In other words, that means taking the Greek culture, which was all based on sexual immorality, anything goes, okay, to the point where some of the, one of their greatest philosophers would walk around naked in the city and would walk around naked and would just squat down and defecate. And he said, this is normal. We should all just get free and get normal. No, sir, you are a pervert. You are a pervert and you're possessed with a demon. Mm -mm. So if you want to know where modern day uh, psychology comes from, it all originates from those three philosophers. And they were all sexual perverts. And Alexander the Great took it and spread it all over the ancient world. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Praise God. Now, God's going to work through your life, your sanctified life, and it's going to flow such wisdom through you that those in the world will look at you. They are not going to understand you, but the proofs will declare that God's way is right. God's way works. God's way is best. And God's wisdom rules over all. Mm. And one day, one day, every knee will bow and say, Jesus is Lord. Absolutely. Every, every sinner, every unbeliever, every liar, every, uh, every uh, perverted person, the day will come, even, even the atheist, because the day of judgment will come, and they will all bow and say, Jesus is Lord. And then the next thing, whoop, off to the lake of fire they go. Mm -mm. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. Some of you are starting to squirm a little bit because you haven't been reading your Bibles very much lately, and you've had too much candy, too much spiritual candy. But that's okay. I'm just here today to give you a big uh, spiritual protein shake and help you put on some spiritual muscles. Praise the Lord. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Your proofs prove Satan's defeat and his eternal demise. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 13, let me get another drink of water. I'm sure glad we're going to heaven because there's no water in hell or in the lake of fire. Now, verse 13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So it's as if there was a slate with all of your sins written on them. And here Paul is saying that all the handwriting was wiped out back in those days, the ink that was used did not have acid in it. So it was very possible for a person to take a, a damp, wet cloth and take that slate with all of that writing on it, even with paper and uh, or papyrus or some type of even a, uh, the various forms that they would write on. You could take that cloth and just wipe all of that ink off because it could not etch into the paper. It could not etch into whatever material it was being uh, written on. And that's what Jesus did for you there at Calvary. He took all of your sins and just wiped the whole slate clean. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Having forgiven you all trespasses. Mm -mm. What does it mean to trespass? Well, this is a little bit interesting, but it is the truth. Here in the rural county in which I live. Now, we do have a city here. The city's got about 40,000 people in it. But it doesn't take long to get out of the city, and then you could be in more rural areas. And there are people that live in the backwoods that if you trespass, in other words, if you come on their private property without having notified them or told them, and you come upon them and startle them or something like that, they will shoot you. Uh, even if it means they shoot you and it was wrong and they go to jail, they'll shoot first and they'll deal with it later. <laughs> and I, and I, I've met people like that, uh, old timers out in the, you know, live out in places. I talked to a county land inspector cause he's got to travel all over the county. And anytime somebody's building something, he's got to go out there and look at it. So he's out on remote properties and things like that. And he said, yeah, he said, Stephen, there are people. In this county, there's men, you go on their property, you trespass on their property without their permission, they will flat out shoot you on the spot. And they'll shoot to kill. <laughs> so now somebody's like, Pastor Stephen, I don't know if I'll ever want to visit your ministry. Now come on out, we're sweet. Amen. And our area is sweet, praise God. And uh, you'll be safe. Amen. I'll, I'll keep you out from the backwoods or the backside of the mountain where some of these places are at. But praise the Lord. My friends, uh, God wants you to know that in his word, when he said, don't do this, if you trespass over that and you do it anyhow, it'll hurt you. But the thing is also you've trespassed. You have broken a law of God. But when you turn to Jesus and you confess your sins, Jesus wipes out all the trespasses <laughs> as if it never happened before. They are absolutely completely gone. All of your sins are gone. Verse 15, look what else he did. Having disarmed. Now the word disarmed is the Greek word that is used as a word picture to describe a defeated soldier who's been conquered by the Roman army and they take that defeated soldier and they strip him. Even if it was the king who was defeated in battle of the opposing army, they would take the king, they would take the generals and all of the other soldiers and strip them totally nude. 
and put them in chains and march them all the way back to Rome. Well, Pastor Stephen, what would they do back in Rome with them? Well, they're, they're entertainment uh, for the, they're, they're the next, these are your next gladiators who will fight to the death in front of you. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're going to do with them. They're food for the lions and they are, they are the end result of brutal uh, gore and brutality in front of the eyes of the bloodlusty uh, citizens of Rome to watch them fight to the death. Or they'll you know, just you know, make them run the gauntlet, all kinds of other degrading and humiliating things. But that's what Jesus has done to the principalities and powers. He disarmed them and stripped them of all authority and their ability to hurt you and do you wrong. Mm. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. How? Triumphing over them in it. What is it? The cross. Listen, nothing's changed. The cross is the solution to the world's problems. Well, Pastor Stephen, whoever solves that problem of Israel in the Middle East and all of that tension, whoa, that, uh, that somebody will really got to have to be a genius to solve that. Uh, no, all you need is the cross of Jesus, and that will solve it. Solves everything. And outside of that, there is no peace. Mm -mm. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My friends, the greatest victory that ever took place in the universe was the victory there at the cross, because there is where Jesus won this great battle, the greatest battle of all. So God's wisdom allows you to tie into his victory. And you know what? The demons and the fallen angels they know it. They know it to the absolute core of their spiritual dead beings. Mm, they know it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus defeated Satan and all of his cohorts, all of the evil spirits. Jesus defeated sin and the sin nature. And he has made a way for us to be in him, which establishes us in righteousness that is imputed into us. And also righteousness that is worked out in our walk with him. Glory to God. So the Bible is the wisdom book. It's God's depository of wisdom. And my friends, the church is going to increase in such wisdom in the age in which we are in that many will look and they will know Jesus truly is Lord because look and how he is working through his people. Praise God. So I want to share just a few things. I want to emphasize that it's the Holy Spirit who releases the spiritual gifts that he has for you, who uh, helps you to identify the skills and talents that were put into you before you ever came out of your mother's womb. God orchestrated you to function and to operate in certain things. And it's the Holy Spirit who allows you to make discovery of these things and then to develop them and operate them in very intriguing ways. Exodus chapter 31 verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, see, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. So the spirit of wisdom touched his mind and his creative juice was taken to a level that was, it was just like way beyond anything that he had ever operated in before. Praise God to design artistic works. Now there is the gift of art. Satan realizes how powerful it is. So he takes it and tries to pervert it and pollute it. I was ministering one time in Berlin, Germany, and uh, we went uh, to see the pastor and the pastor was going to go check us into the hotel to get ready for the meetings. And so when we met the pastor, he said, I have a different plan. I've made different arrangements. 
He said, instead, you're going to stay with a very wealthy lady. She lives uh, in a penthouse at the very top floor, and she's got a real big, big place. I said, well, Pastor, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Something about this um, seems a little bit, uh, something doesn't seem right. And he goes, well, he goes, uh, he said, you know, just try to go along with it because she's the biggest giver in my church. I said, oh, well, okay, since you've already set it up, okay, we'll do that. So anyhow, uh, we go to meet the lady, and we, we go up the elevator, and she's got a beautiful view over Berlin, and it's got this beautiful apartment with all kinds of, uh, uh, you, you look over the balcony, and all the most expensive shops are all over the place and things like that. But my friends, her house was full of some of the most perverted art that you could ever imagine. And here's how she looked at it. She looked at it as being expensive and modern and very intellectual. And this is what, this is what is very popular. I looked at it and I said, it's perverted. I said, look at the faces of the people. I said, why would anybody make their face contorted and twist it like they're in agony and being, being like stabbed unless they're demonized. The artist is uh, uh, painting on the inspiration of demons. So, um, that didn't work out too good, especially when she started smoking those real long cigars or excuse me, cigarettes. I think maybe she was smoking all kinds of stuff. And I just told the pastor, I said, look, we better leave. <laughs> I can't, I cannot be in an oppressive atmosphere like this. And so he had to go back and handle her with, you know, kid gloves because she was the big giver in the church. But look, I, look, I can't play those games. I, the number one thing in my life, I have to have peace so I can flow in the anointing that God has for me. Praise God. So we can't compromise and uh, get over into these areas because if you do, the, the enemy, he, he knows he's got you in that area. And unfortunately, that's why also that pastor has never really broken out because he's just, he plays those, he plays those games. I don't play those games. You've probably noticed that. And I know many of you are very pleased about that because you, you don't want, you're fed up with religious politics. We've got enough of that, not only in the Democratic Party, but also the, in the Republican Party. You pay to play. Uh, that has leaked into the church. But uh, we don't go with that flow. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, Bezalel also had the ability to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze. Now, the Egyptians did have the technology to get gold to a purity of .999. But you know what? The Hebrews could do it too. It is amazing what they could do. My father was a metallurgist. Uh, and so that is what he did for his living. And it was a study. He worked for the, uh, for the military and he would study metals. And, uh, when you get into exotic metals, uh, things like, um, like helicopter blades and things like that, uh, it, it's just all science and math that's behind that. So when you read this chapter 31, you have to understand these were not hillbillies. Or these were not redneck. Let's just figure it out as we go. No, this is all science. This is all chemistry. This is all high-level math. <laughs> and they were producing some stuff that even today, uh, you know, artisans aren't quite sure how they actually did it. Mm -mm. In cutting jewels for setting and carving wood and to work in all manner of workmanship. By the way, the cutting of jewels... That entire diamond industry of diamond cutting is primarily uh, under the umbrella of the Jewish people. Praise God. And later it gets, uh, verse 7, it gets into the creating of the furniture that would go into the tabernacle. A lot of gold is going to be used in this. In verse 10, the garments of ministry for the, uh, for the priest, all of those uh, were very uh, high level how can we say this is all exotic material? The world had never seen anything like it before. And then you see that wisdom expressed through Solomon, the way that he created his throne, the steps going up to the throne and lions on each side of each step. And people were literally left with their jaws hanging open, uh, hanging open like in like gazing in amazement, like, where are these ideas coming from? My friends, it is the spirit of wisdom uh, mixing with the creativity of your human spirit, which is made in the image of God, and then coming up with 
maybe flavors or maybe music or, uh, or maybe ingredients. I'm talking stuff that AI can't even replicate. AI still sounds fake. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much people praise chat GPT. It still sounds like a stupid computer wrote it. And even when AI gets to a point where the image of the beast, the image, uh, because I guess the beast, because he is a, he's a human possessed by the devil, I guess he still gets tired, so maybe he can't stand there and talk all day. So he has to have an image, whether it's a hologram created by AI or whatever. It, it's still, it's not the real thing, no matter how real it looks or whatever. Uh, it's just never going to be able to get into this realm of the God zone. But you can. You can't. And you can bring out that color that God would work through you, whether it's green or ultraviolet purple or whatever it might be. Glory to God. You can have some things come out of your spirit that you create and the way that you do things that uh, don't, don't get upset when people want to copy, which is why also that if, if it's something that's marketable, you need to get it trademarked or if it's, a, you know, like a product, you know, a patent or things like that. Glory to God. Protect yourself. Amen. Glory to God. But my friends, Jesus is moving and wants you to walk in these types of levels of anointing of wisdom, like Bezalel, like Daniel, like Solomon. And let's close by going to James chapter one, because here we are told to ask God for this incredible wisdom. Praise the Lord. Verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. Now I like that. So God can put it on your thick. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Now I was in the office of a pastor one time. He's got, he runs about 30,000 members and I spoke at his church and I was in his office and he told me how much his office, how much it costs just to build the office. And it was, it was a real beauty. Praise God. Beautiful place, all like beautiful wood all around and things like that. But there was a painting that he had. It was an oil painting, an original hanging in his office that was a painting that somebody did of the tree of life. And it was, it was like supernatural. I had never seen a painting like that before. Well, later I found out who did the painting. And um, he mentioned her name, but I didn't know who it was. But it was painted by a prophetess who could not paint, who had no ability to draw or anything like that. And God hit her and struck her with the spirit of wisdom. <laughs> and the next thing she knew, she could, she could paint. She could draw. And uh, some of her artwork, it looks like it literally came out of the heaven. I mean, it looks like it came from heaven. All of it does. Woo, glory to God. Mm -mm. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. So some of you will get something new, but others of you, you've already got the touch. You just need God to help you uh, bring more of the color out. Mm -mm. He gives it liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You're going to get it. But let him ask in faith. You know, that's true with everything. If we pray, we need to pray in faith or else it, it's just a religious exercise that doesn't do anything. If you pray, you pray in faith. If you ask for wisdom, you ask in faith. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. With no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. So I want you at the conclusion of today's message to take just a couple minutes, take three minutes and talk to the heavenly father, pray to him in the name of Jesus and ask him for wisdom in that one area where you need wisdom at now wisdom, because it is multifaceted while you will have it in a predominant area, it can, it can splash over here and help you solve problems over here. It can splash over here. And the next thing you know, you're helping somebody to maybe do something that you're not even trained in, but you, you saw you somehow understand it, whether it's fix a car, you might think, well, pastor Steve and I, that's, I'm not a mechanic. I don't know anything. I don't even know how to pull the hood up you'd be shocked what the spirit of wisdom can help you do. Woo. It is, 
It is supernatural. Praise God. So I want you to do that. I'll lead you into that as we get ready to close. But first of all, if you're watching me today and you don't know Jesus, then you need to receive him because the only way into this wisdom is through Jesus, not through Buddha, not through Muhammad. All of those people have a tomb. They have a grave that you can go visit. But when you go to visit uh, Jesus, there's no body there. There is no body there. All of these other founders of religions, you can go to their grave, you can go to their tomb, their bodies are there. But not Jesus. He was raised from the dead, and he has defeated all of the powers of darkness, and he delegates his authority to his people. If you don't know him, I want you to ask him into your heart. He'll save you right now. Now, also, if you used to be a follower of Christ, but you drifted away, you need to come back right now, and Jesus will wipe your slate clean. There won't be anything on there, and you can get that right with God right now. Okay? So let's all pray together. Just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I give you my heart. Jesus, I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. Wipe my slate clean with your precious blood. Thank you, Jesus. Save me now. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Glory, glory, glory to God. Praise God. Now, let's take Holy Communion today. If you are a Christian, you believe in Jesus, and He's in your heart, you can take communion. Praise the Lord. Grab some grape juice, grab some unleavened bread or a little cracker, and let's pray. Father, we thank You for the bread and the juice. Through this prayer, we set it apart as being holy, and we thank you that this is the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you for the flow of wisdom, unimpeded, into our minds, into our understanding. Thank you, Father, for the word washing our minds. We give you all of the praise. We thank you that we have the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say, Amen. Let's receive together. Praise the Lord. You know what? With this wisdom, you're going to make your mark. With this wisdom, you're going to make your mark, and you're also going to make your statement to the principalities and powers. They'll know. They'll know. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you've moved us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of your precious Son. Thank you, Father, for the Lord's blood. Thank you, O oh God, for saving us. Thank you, Father God. Let us take as many people to heaven with us as we can. May every good work, O oh God, speak of you. We give you the glory for all of the works. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you, Father God. May these works, O oh God, exalt Christ and lift up Christ. May our music glorify Jesus. Father, may our artwork bring glory to Jesus. May our clothing bring glory to you, O God. May all that we do honor you and glory you, uh, bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the Lord's blood. Praise the Lord. Now, Father, I pray for your people. As they're going to spend three minutes with you, I pray that as they ask you for wisdom, I thank you that you're going to give it to them, and you're going to give it to them liberally, and all that they put their hands to is going to flourish. And I thank you, Father, that this flow of wisdom will flow into their minds, into their understandings, affecting their careers, their homes, the way they talk, the way they think. I thank you, Father God, you're taking them to the top. 
I thank you that your wisdom is going to cause them to make their mark, their note of distinction. I thank you for helping them to recognize their difference. We give you all of the praise. Thank you, Father. Bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, ask the Lord to give you the anointing of wisdom. Ask him right now, and he'll do it. God bless you. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.